Oh my god, is that the faces of the future? How y'all doing today? We got a special episode for y'all. We gonna buy it out with us first. They're gonna like this one. Monday. Switch it up real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah nigga. We playing real rap. Real rap today. The off season, nigga. We off it, nigga. That's right. Fuck this. Right. Off it, nigga. Applying pressure, starting my crime with crime festers. And now it's showing like they ain't expecting trimesters. That's why when niggas throw a shot at two online, I pay no mind to their benign gestures. Nigga, please, I got my mind on much bigger things to say the least. My latest speeches sound like they was released. You start early, huh? Versus hit hard. Never pitched hard or played the streets. These niggas whips hard. Behind closed doors, can't pay the lease, uh. Ain't nothing wrong with living check to check, cause most have to. Instead of capping, why don't you talk about being a broke rapper? That's a perspective I respect. Because it's real What it's like to be nice as fuck But gotta stress to pay the bills That was me in 08 Seeing no cake Not even on dates I celebrated my birth Just did the mental math And calculated my worth Shit crazy Didn't know I got more M's Than a real Slim Shady video Big boss Let's Rick Ross More like a wavy video Once you become aware Of the things you're doing You actually have to Rewire your own Ironic how it feels so much better when I'm bent I get paid and then invest, don't ask me why my money's spent I'm saying how I feel and I hope they don't take offense But when you flexing on the gram, homie, I am not impressed You put others down so you feel better about yourself And although you don't shed a tear, I see you crying out for help You hoping even though you not heard that you could be felt You said you don't believe in God because you already in hell 
before you even start, you already feel like you fell. And you gon' take the charge before you fix your lips to tell. You listening to rap and you thinking that it's real. Cause you ain't even in class, but you down to do a drill. You don't gotta pop, but you ready to pop a pill. And you don't talk to cops, but you ready to cop a fill. You saying it's all good when I ask you how you feel. Trust me, bro, I understand, man. We got a lot to heal, cause black men need therapy. Black men need therapy. Yeah, yeah. Black men need therapy. And I'm a black man. Black men black man. Black men need therapy. Let this one ride out. Black men need therapy. Yeah, yeah. Black men need therapy. And I'm a black man. Black man. Ironic how it feels so much better when I'm bent. I will Smith and Wesson somebody with fresh prints. I'm saying how I feel and I hope they don't take offense. It's more you can accomplish, homie. You are not your past. You know deep inside you got a business you can start. It's money you can make. Party somewhere on a yacht. If you just stay focused, you can make it to the top. You say you don't believe in God, but homie, maybe you should start. He believe in you, that's why he gave you all the parts. The pieces of the puzzle might be broke, but you can solve it. I know that you're struggling with hoping it's a problem. The hardest battles always go to soldiers, that's the strongest. But you don't gotta pop, but you ready to pop a pill. You don't talk to cops, but you ready to cop a fill. You saying it's all good when I ask you how you feel. Trust me, bro, I understand, man. We got a lot to heal, cuz black men need therapy. Black men need therapy. Yeah, yeah. Black men need therapy. And I'm a black man. Black men need therapy. Black men need therapy. You got me ready to pop. Yeah. Black men need therapy. And I'm a black man. Is that the Faces of the Future? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Faces of the Future podcast. It's your boy, Mills. It's your boy, Nancy Moose. What's good, what's good, what's good? What's good, what's good, what's good? We got Shrani in the building today. How you doing today? I'm feeling good, man. You feeling good? It's electric in this room right now. It's super electric. Yeah. It's a record, huh? Yeah, that last joint got me in my feelings. Got you, got you in your feelings? Yeah. Got you in your bag? I mean, thinking about a lot of things. Yeah, it's one of the ones. Yeah. It's one of the sure, ones. Sure. We got Rocket in the building. He's not on the mic today, but how you doing, Rocket? You in the building? Yeah. You outside, you're staying outside the Matrix? Nah, I feel that, I feel that. We got a special guest today, man. None other than the one and only Who Am I? What's good, man? Who Am I? Who Am I? TV.TV. I'm blessed to be here, man. I've been seeing y'all working, seeing y'all getting done. I, he just told me it was it was 147. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, salute to y'all, so I'm just happy to rock out with y'all. Yes, sir. We, we glad you finally here. We've been chopping up for a long time, you know? A long time we finally here. Um, we, we always start we always start episodes um where we first met a guest. I can't really think about where I first met you because I've been you've been on the radar for a minute. Mm-hmm. But I remember the first event that we threw um for MBT. It was like 2019, was it? Something like that. We we threw we threw a small event like in, in the city. It was called a night in the city. I think you pulled up to that joint, and and I, we have realized we had a lot of mutuals that, that my older brothers are your counselor. Mm-hmm. Um. And it was it was just great synergy. So I, w- I want to know at that point in your career, what were you doing? What, where were you at? Where was your headspace at, and all that stuff? All right, so that's hard. I'm I'm really trying to remember, but I do know that event. I remember yeah. I had the band with me. That was a dope event, by the way. Appreciate it. Appreciate um, it. Um, jeez, I think at that time I was still in school. Yeah, I was. I was in college. Uh, I had my organization off the ground, Code. So we right. were like throwing events on the campus, stuff mm-hmm. like that. There was a lot of people from Code there, so I got to tap in with them. But at that time, bro, it was just another chance for me and the band to just go out and do what we do. So it was right. a blessing for real. And it was the first time we really worked on something professional. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was it was 
at that vibes. time, I, I know you said you was in college and school and stuff like that. Were you were you pursuing music like heavy? Like was it serious at the time? Is that something where you were experimenting? You trying to say, oh, I want to try this out to see if I want to chase it, or was it like, all right, we, we know what we're doing. We 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 already here. We want to chase it. This is an event. We got we gotta we gotta take advantage of it and show everybody we serious. It's not just a hobby. Yeah. So, um, bro, music been serious to me ever since you know I was a kid. So like. You don't really know this, but I, I got kicked out of my last college. Oh, I had a scholarship or whatever, but, like, I wasn't worrying about school. I was throwing events, doing the same thing I'm doing now. Right, right, right. Freshman year, like, driving people to the venue because we freshmen, we don't got cars on campus. Yeah. We got one old head who going to drive people back and forth. We was Uber before Uber, so. <laughs> he said he's Uber before Uber. That's by, the, fact. by the time we got there, I was already rocking and rolling, but I got, like, misplaced because I got, it was in Virginia State where I was at moved down here so we was just getting the ball back rolling like how we've been doing so to answer your question now nah, I, was, I was locked in music industry major and all that yeah you know what i'm saying you, you said you was at virginia state um and then you went to what school you went to after that rowan graduated yeah. from rowan 2020 so virginia state hbcu correct yeah so that's a, that's a culture shock in terms of like going from a school like that to going to rowan y- yeah yes for sure hbcu is lit man it's like it's i always say it like this at a pwi you have black Rowan or black, like, and it's just a black community at that PWI. Right. But at an HBCU, we all black. We all kind of know each other, even if I don't know your name. Like, I know you or I know your friend. Right. And we all do something artsy or we all, like, we all ready to look each other out. My guys that graduated from Virginia State, they're, like, engineers now, bro. They, like, work on circuit boards and and do all of that. So to to see people who... You know, we used to rap together. Right, right. Now y'all, you know, making these six-figure checks and everything like that. I love it. I love to yeah. see it. Black excellence, for real. 100%. 100%. Did, uh, did, do you ever, like, wish you took a different path? You said you see your homies make six-figure checks. Are you, are you, you, you compl- not complacent, but you're comfortable with where you're at currently. Mm. I always consider different paths I could have took. And yet, at the same time, I'm very comfortable and confident in, in, the, in the mission that I'm on right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was a computer science major for a little bit. And what I noticed was if you go into school, you don't need to study anything creative because there's nothing that they're going to teach you that life can't teach you. Mm. So maybe I would have went back and did a business major or a comp sci major. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if I could have went back, I probably wouldn't even have went to school and took <coughs> on them loans. So it's like I'm always thinking about different routes I could have took, but I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Why? Why do you say that? Why do you say you you wouldn't? Went, I, you mentioned loans, but why? Why don't you say you wouldn't went to school? Um, I probably would have would have took one class just to be on the campus, but like, bro, to me, dang, <laughs> I take. I don't know, man. It's like it just wasn't for me, and it can indoctrinate you. So like, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, it could mold you to be an aspiring employee. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like I graduated with some somewhat of an employee mindset. And if I could go back knowing what I want to do now and knowing how strong I am in it, I probably would have just avoided all of the loans and all of the indoctrination and just went my own route, played the campus like an artist, kept going back and forth, but, you know, kept my money. But but don't you think that's important, though? Because I think, I know you, you're, you've done a lot and you've established yourself, right? But I think that, for a lot of other people who may not have what you have, right? I think sometimes it's better to learn both sides, right? So it's like for me, like I have friends who are entrepreneurs, they went to Rutgers, I, I went to a PWI, right? 
And I think like the opportunities for them, they knew how to work within a system, right? But then outside of that, part of them learning how to work in that system taught them a lot of things about entrepreneurship. Like I have friends who are DJs, photographers, et cetera, and they learn within like, all right, this is what I need to do to do this to get this shit together. And then now, because I'm graduated, I got my job or whatever, me doing that hustle entrepreneurship stuff has helped me. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's like now that I look at it, I have like a bunch of friends now. I just seen like one of my friends. She's on like she's on a billboard in New York for um I forgot what it was called, but she's on a billboard. Anyways, long story short, she's a model. You know what I'm saying? And she went to Rutgers. We were all in the functions, doing all the parties, throwing all that. And it's like now it's like for the connections that you have, because we have like a whole bunch of cool people in different spaces, don't you think that for people who are in that in that network of school, don't you think that it could be important for them to do that? Could be, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it Everybody learns different and everybody's journey is different. So it's like, off the top of my head, some pros for going to school. One, if, if you're lazy and you need that program, you need that structure, you might want to go to school and work just to understand, like, yo, turn this in at a certain time, like, get, get this done. Networking, like you said, yeah. is a, that's why I said I probably would have took a class on campus, hopped into the organizations on campus. Yeah, I mean, for some people, you know, that's it's definitely needed, right? Yeah, yeah. for some people, it's, it's definitely needed. You know what I mean? Because I think that I think that some people, just from my own POV, to like bounce off what you said, like I think like some people to an extent do need do need to be able to learn how to do things freely. I think that college gives you that opportunity, but I think that depending on where you're at and where you go, it teaches you a, a lot about how to maneuver as an entrepreneur in terms of marketing or in terms of like things of that nature. It's like, I mean, you know, that's where I got to disagree, though. I don't think college okay, teaches okay. you good marketing like i learned everything about marketing digital marketing everything that's relevant for businesses right now mm -hmm. from an online course and i was in the marketing classes now i think college is important for this plain plain and simple there's other parts of business that you need to learn so marketing is one um but like if i went back i would have went for computer science because i need to fund what i'm trying to build and that's what i guess that's the point i'm trying to make is like okay for an aspiring entrepreneur, college should be a vehicle to get a bunch of active income that you could pay your bills and dump into what you're trying to trying to build. And then you you get transferable skills and friends yeah. along the way. You could get those out of school, but the main reason to go to school is to be able to get a check. True, because I looked at it, because I'm looking at it from a standpoint of like going to Rutgers. We had like organizational meetings, like we had the ASAs, we had like the you know the entrepreneurship societies, right. like, you know, like all the black. All the black organizations had their open mic nights or had they wild announced. And at that right. time, it gave people like the opportunities to be creative. You know what I'm saying? Like you had rappers doing wilding out like um like um the break or whatever. Mm -hmm. Open mic nights. So it's like I was looking at it from a standpoint of like from a non class aspect, mm -hmm. it's like, yo, like, oh, they doing an open mic night. I know so and so. Um, let me see if they can, if they need anybody to perform. But do, you, but do you need school for that? You don't need all right. So if we're gonna break it down this way, you don't need school as in the formal education but when you look at it when it's it's basically an open market for you to market yourself like person wise if you go to a campus you go to open night open mic night right you perform whatever you tell people to follow you on instagram you blow up a majority of people if you know how to market it correctly you can build a fan base at a school you know what i mean true, true. so it's like because it's like when you look at people like j cole you look at the kendrick's the drake's Part of the reason why they're popular today is because they went on school campuses touring. That's why it's like they have such like a tight-knit fan base where you can't say nothing to them. You know what I mean? So it's like I think that you don't need the formal education for school, but it's like 
it's a bunch of impressionable young kids who get drunk every weekend and who have free time to listen and consume your music. So, so, mommy and dad. so you're pretty much saying, and y'all both can step in whenever. Um, so you're pretty much saying like you need the ecosystem. That's I think that as opposed to actual schooling, you need the yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, I don't. I'm not talking about actual formal schooling. I think that as a as an entrepreneur or a creative, you can use schools to your advantage for what you want to do. True. In every single aspect, that's how you learn. Like you know, if you get contracted or the 1099s or the whatever the shit some are, like the 1099s or whatever it is, like the taxes, they have to give you formal taxes. You have to learn how to do that. They teach you a whole bunch of things that people who are just learning about entrepreneurship may not be privy to. I don't know. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: uh, Who am I? Uh, when it comes when it comes to school, and you're saying like you learn stuff on your own. Um, when you what were they teaching you in those marketing classes? Like you're saying like you didn't learn the stuff that you learned to help grow your business that you have right now. Like, what do you wish they taught you when you were in those classes? Well, that's that's two different questions. Um, what I learned in school, uh, and I don't want to hate on the school. Yeah, like, yeah, I love yeah, my so. professors. Right. What I learned in school was how to read a contract. So that was one of the most important things I learned. Okay. And I also learned how to make money from music, just the music, like like go to your distro, go to Song, song Trust, go to Sound Exchange, go through your uh, performing rights organization. They taught me the flow of just streaming music and, and how to get that money. Right. Um, what do I wish they would have taught me? Digital marketing, okay. right? Um, how to promote an event, how to um, just move people. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, I mean, my program was music industry, and it was more so what I realized more than halfway through, how to get a job in the music industry. And it wasn't how to create commerce around your art, which is kind of more so what I wanted to learn. So I would have wanted well, to learn that. What's what's the difference? Between, for people that don't know, what's the difference between that? Like working in the industry and then creating commerce, what, what do you consider commerce around your art? Well... Working in the music industry could be a job like uh, an A&R at a label, which I don't even know if those still exist, but like marketing at a label, radio at a label, uh, or indie or, or, you know, whatever. Making commerce around your art is like, okay, I create content about X, Y, and Z topics, and this type of person is interested in this content. How do I easily get people to this content? And then to the next step, whatever that is, whether right. it's a merch item, see me live, go deeper into my email list. And those are the things I wish I would have learned um, in school. But I don't like to wish because I learned them anyway. And probably me not finding it in school was the reason why I found it elsewhere. So it became more you know. beneficial then. Yeah. So let, let's step away from the school thing. Let's 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 travel backwards. Tell us where you're from. What's your upbringing like, bro? Because, like, your music, you tell stories, bro. Like, you tell a lot of stories. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, whether it's trauma, whether it's, whether it's love involved, whatever it may be. Like, what was your upbringing? Like, say when you were, like, 10 years old and you you know you're listening to your music, was it, like, was the environment, like, healthy when it comes to wanting to be an artist? Like, was your family supportive around that stuff? Like, tell me about that. So, like, uh, my dad is a pastor, so I grew up in a church. Mm, okay. So I always around was always around music like let let my parents tell it after church i would kick the drummer off the set and like just bang on the drums so right, like, right 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 i always wanted to get involved uh and i attribute you know my love for music to the church bro because like i just remember this one moment and i was around that age like 10 10 ish um i'm at a gospel concert and the band is playing and the artist isn't isn't singing and people are falling out they're crying Right, right. And I looked, and at, at that age, I'm like, oh, music is a spiritual language. 
like the notes, the sounds, the frequencies are speaking to the people because they're reacting like as if somebody's talking to them. Right. And so around that age is when I fell in love with it. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it, but I knew I wanted to get, I wanted to tap into whatever I had just saw. Um, man, I debate this with myself all the time, whether like the issues that I faced were self-imposed, meaning like just my view of what people around me felt versus like my parents actually really not wanting me to do music, you know, or my friends telling me to make music like future. Like I, I remember these conversations vividly because a lot of my early career was, was the work was motivated with a chip on my shoulder. Like, Oh y'all don't think I could do this. Y'all crazy. Like I'm definitely about to do this. So I just remember like my mom telling me, you know, get a real job. And she actually, the, I don't mean to go off on tangents, but no, you're good. the reason why I was a computer science major is because my mom picked my major. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being in class and I'm like, yo, I didn't even sign up for this. And then going into music industry. And sometimes I wonder like if, if it was structured more like, yo, I know this is what you love to do. So we're going to set you up on a path to make money to do what you love to do but I've actually stayed in the comp side and, and took it further. But to answer your question, um, it was met with a lot of resistance. You know, it, it wasn't. So, so now, because I have a bunch of questions now. So when you said like your friends weren't like a hundred percent, like um, confident that you could do it, were you talking about um, your non-church friends or were you just talking about friends you met growing up? Cause th- those, those are like, that'll, that's going to affect my, my line of question that I do got. Dang, my non-church friends. Yo, it's crazy. Cause my church friends were like my family. So I know, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know what I'm, and my dad being a pastor and like the other pastors, kids, like we were like cousins. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I don't really think I was around them much. When I was doing the music, it was more like school friends or um, Got you. Yeah. neighborhood kids, that stuff like sense. that. You know what I'm saying? So then my next question that would be going back to the church thing is like, all right, we had like, I, I, I talked about this like a couple months ago. Can you, as a person who grew up in a church, can you explain from your own point of view how church can help musical artists develop talent? Mm. Because my thought, my thought process and theory is that I think that a majority of the reason why there's not high quality talent anymore is because a lot of artists are not starting from <clears throat> church. And church yeah. is like an ecosystem yeah. of how you learn how to become an artist and an individual. I, I'll say this. I'll speak from multiple different points of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the church, the skills that you can learn by serving in your church are directly transferable to any entertainment field. I'll explain. Absolutely. You can go into your church and you can say, I want to be a part of AV, audio, video. Yep. I want to get behind a camera, make sure you get clips. I'm going to build your social media. They need that. You could do that for free. They probably have equipment that you can't afford on your own. You can learn how to use it. Oh, you want to be a musician? Yo, you could go to the band and say, yo, second service on Sunday. Let me play. Like, what's the notes for? What right. songs are we doing? Let me play. You you can get your chops up. And a lot of like who we see performing with all of the major artists came through, through the church. church system. Uh, and specifically for me as a performing art artist, seeing my dad preach every Sunday, I used to hop on the stage and like just do stuff I thought was regular. Just salute yeah. my dad on his birthday in front of the church or stuff like that. So it could help. It helped me with like my stage presence a lot. So anything that you want to do in entertainment from content 
to actual musicianship to stage presence you can learn in church. That uh that uh um so that just became like a, a natural thing for you like it was second nature but by, by that time like so like performing things of that nature is second nature by the time you started doing it because you were doing it since you were a young boy. Yeah yeah yeah. And, and, and just to, to piggyback off that question about just you you saying things are either self inflicted or like. Or, or a different caveat that, that, that altered your trajectory of music or the way you thought about yourself. Talk about the self, self-inflicted stuff. I'm interested to hear, like, the, the, the battles that you faced internally because I think that would be beneficial for, like, people that are listening, too. I just want to hear because, like I said, the music that you make, you can hear that you battle stuff, like, mm-hmm. through your lyrics and things of that nature. So I'm interested to hear, like, the stuff that uh, that you were, you were battling when you are going through that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, right? Um I deal with like a lot of self doubt just since I was a kid right. all the way to now. Like I just live with it and now I just learned how to work through it. And I think that, like you said, it's in the music. So sometimes I think that, you know, this is like the curse that I've been blessed with almost to, to, to kind of work it. Cause when I read the word, like all of the prophets, all of the people who got appointed to spread a message, they all had something wrong with them. I think Moses had a stuttering problem. Right. Like, David, he he had a lust issue. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so um, early on, though, I didn't know how to make sense of, of these emotions. Like, I had ambition, but then I also had an inner enemy telling me, like, you can't do that. Listen to listen to your mom. Like, it's not a real job. Like, listen to your friends. You're not a trap artist. It's not going to go. Right. And I was just so impressionable, and I wanted people around me to, uh, to so, like, people-pleasing, I guess. I wanted people around me to, to be confident in me and also happy around me. I was afraid to like stand out and like be different and say like, no, this is what I really want to do. Um, so I hope that answers your question. That's kind of things. I no, was, it I was did. It with. did. And, and those self doubts and stuff, do you think that was because do you think you would have those same self doubts if you didn't grow up in the church? Mm, I do. <laughs> really? I do. I do. I do. I used to, I used to blame the church a lot for like a lot of how I felt, but then I realized like, I think it's just the temperament of, of, of the child. Like, and parents can, can mold you to be more confident, but your parents and your environment can only do what they know. And so, like, I was birthed to my parents, and I, and I have genetically this type of temperament. So who knows if I would have took to a random lady at ShopRite telling me the music sucks versus being in a church and saying it was unholy. You know, I probably would have took to it the same way. I just think that's my temperament, honestly. No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Can you talk to that about like? Sorry, this mic is like really awkward. But yeah, now can you talk to that about like church hurt and like how that mm. probably affected you, and like how you redirected that into what you do now? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> he no, said yes. He said yes. Sure, man. Because I, I, st- I, to be honest, like I still struggle with my faith today, fair. and it's because a lot of the the early church hurt, as you said. That's fair. One of the first times where I questioned my faith was when I told my parents about what I wanted to do musically and it was met with so much backlash and in my head there was a a split between what you're teaching me in the church and then what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing at home because I thought you know you add faith in works and it can make it alive I thought faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain but why doesn't that apply to my dreams so at that time I was like whoa is the faith even real like is this like if we're not really going to live it through and through. Yeah. Um, and then the expectations of being a pastor's son, I kind of had to live with that too. And like, I just rebelled against it all the way just cause like I didn't, the faith was already presented to me in a way that's like, this isn't going to help you live your best life. 
you actually have to conform in order to be in this faith. So yeah, that, now, that's. Sorry, most. Can you dive deep into that? Actually, I'm curious on that. I'm my bad. I'm just very curious on that thought process. Can you explain more in terms of like you have to conform to live your best life? Mm. Well, the simple fact that, like I said, to me, I'm like a like a non dualist, meaning everything is supposed to sit on top of each other. Meaning, my faith in my life. Is supposed I shouldn't go to church and then be in ch- be fair. next to God and then come home and not be. Yeah. So just the simple fact of like, oh, we can do all things through Christ over here. But when I tell you about my dreams, we really can't do all things through Christ, right? Sure, yeah. So at that point, I feel like now I have to conform because in order to step into this building, I have to put my dreams away. I can't want to be a rapper and be in this building. I see what you're saying, and, yeah. And then something as small as like, yo, take your hat off in church or, like, don't dress like that or wear suits or... Yeah. It's, like, a lot of the culture that surrounds the faith got mixed in with what the faith actually is, yeah. and it turned people off because we don't operate on the same traditions as the as people back then. You know yeah, and, and, like, just with that being said, because we all, all of us in here, we all grew up in the church. Like, Word. I went to church every Sunday, brother went to church every Sunday. I know Toronto was in church every Sunday, every saying, all that stuff. And it's, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the question for the room, like, do y'all feel like, cause we I battle the same I battle the same stuff. Moose probably battles the same stuff. It's the stuff content we talk about on the pod. Like it's not it's not like we don't believe in God or nothing like that. The way we operate that type of thing. We have faith and things of that nature. But like, why does it, why do you why do we feel like we always get judged mm. when we're pursuing something that doesn't align with, I guess their vision, their spirit, their spirituality, their religion, whatever it may be. Like why do y'all think that is? Like every like like kind of just put on what he said. Well, that's a question for the room. Like, I'm curious about that because I, I battle that on a regular. Shoot, I do that shit. I actually talked to my mom about that, like, I want to say probably two weeks ago because she was just like, I just don't understand. Like, you went to church every day when you were young, this, that, and the third. And it's just like, it's not like I don't have faith anymore. I don't believe in God. It's just like, right now, it's just like I'm more of a spiritual journey. You feel me? Like, I'm on a different time path as far as, like, when it comes down to it. Um, and I think it's, a, it's also, like being baptized at the age of nine. Like, I didn't know what that meant. Right, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, I had to learn that from going to Sunday school during the summertime, being with my cousins, being with my family. And I think I think when I got to college and started to actually do the research on, like, what the Bible was, reading the Bible more, and, like, just being like, bro, like, what they talking about at church don't kind of relate to, like, where I'm at right now. You right, know right, what I'm right. saying? And it was, a, it was a little difficult time period because even now, like, you know, going to church, I, like, I'll go here and there, but, like, I wasn't – I'm not going as frequently as what I was going back then. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I think, to be short with it, I think the best way to put it is I think that a lot of churches and organizations, to an extent, are trying to keep – people in church and i think that because they're trying to keep people in church what happens is that they kind of judge anything on the outside because when you kind of look at it like look at catholicism right they sell you the fear of like don't have sex or you're gonna die right to women right and it's like when you see that they're trying to sell you sometimes an idea of trying to be afraid of the culture it kind of automatically wants you to come to christ but it's like when you look at the stories in the bible a majority of the miracles that happened happened outside of the church Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like when you look at solomon all the way down to moses so it's like the idea of it is that like churches try to sell you this 
thing to stay in the church to keep things in the church to keep mm-hmm. the tradition going and keep the lights on but it's mm-hmm. like part of the whole idea of growing up as a christian is like there's a certain point where it's like you can't just stay at home like you gotta yeah. go out you know yeah. what i mean like you gotta go to the promised land mm-hmm. you gotta go reach your goals you gotta go do the evangelism like you can't just do it all in church because if not like that's kind of indirectly keeping god's glory under wraps in my opinion it's varying your talents you know that's just how I look at that question. What about you? I'm curious to hear your thought process. All right, say the question one more one more time so I could <laughs> clearly answer it. So I, I was asking, I was like, when, when, we're, when we're creating things like this, like a podcast, you create music, that type of thing. Yeah. When we're doing stuff that we're passionate about, why do we always feel like we're being judged so hard? Bro, I mean, dang, this is such a deep conversation. I'm glad we have it here, though. But it's like, there is a, it's a nuanced answer. I think that the history of the faith in and of itself is very oppressive. Not to say that the origin is oppressive, but people have used the faith to like people used to die behind the faith on both ways. Right. If you were a Christian, you would die. Then at one point, if you weren't a Christian, you would die. Right, right, right. So like, I think that's why it's so serious for people. Is, is like, if you do things that I'm not familiar with being done in this faith, there's like a genetic response of like death. And it, and it might not be a physical death to them. It's like a social death or like a spiritual death. But to them, it's like you're not operating. And this goes back to Catholicism. Like there used to be a, a, a what do they call him? The Pope or whoever yeah, yeah. who like laid the law down. Right, and it right, was right, like yeah. church and state was one. Like it wasn't just a spiritual law. It was the actual the law. law. Yeah, yeah. So I think people just live in, in old times. Like I remember when Christian rap was like, Sins, right, right. Sin. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, now, what is this? <laughs> now they're like huge, so it's, it's, like, it's huge. It's huge. Just got to catch up for real, for real. Nah, definitely. Let's 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 move along a little bit. Like, so we're past we're past the point of like, all right, you're making music now. You're battling like being being a pastor, son. You know what I'm saying now you're, you're cooking up now. Right? Say we're at a well, we're high school now. High school going into college. Yeah. Where, where was your mental state at now? Were you a little more confident at this point? Now that you kind of like were. In your flow, you knew this is what you wanted to do. You're going to college now. This is like the path that you wanted to take. Mm-hmm. Or is it still you still fighting battles? Not even just let's take it away from the church. You start fighting battles internally, whether it's the the stuff that you're seeing in your personal ecosystem on a daily basis. Your friends could be doing some crazy stuff and you may encounter it or you're not, or just women, that type of stuff. Like what were you battling at that time? Yeah, I was hype, bro. I was getting busy. Like, okay. like I a lot of people don't know. I used to be signed to an indie label when I was like 12, 13, 14 or something like that. And so, bro, we was going to open mics all around like Philly. We was, we were out. I really thought I was out of here, bro. You couldn't tell me nothing. I thought I was out of here. I thought at that point, I'm like by 21, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like that was just my thought process. So I was going to Virginia with that energy. Right. What what, what can I do out here? So yeah, I I, I was really locked in around that time. I'm going to be honest with you. So so, what happened? Like in terms of that, like real, real question, what happened? Like, and because you, you say you, you you're how old now? Twenty six. Twenty six. So you thought she was gonna be millionaire by twenty one? That mental state, just based on the trajectory that you're going. Yeah. Twenty one <laughs> that comes around, it yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Where are you at mentally? Uh, man, I was watching a video right, and and it explained something like this: like before you go through something, you're always gonna be confident because you don't know what it's like to take a loss. Bro, by the time I came back from Virginia State to Rowan, tried to get in the mix, like, I didn't know what was, like, bro, I switched my major, like, four or five times. Like, I really did not know what to do with my life. Like, in my head, I'm going to move out of state, and I'm never coming back home. Like, the next time they're going to see me, I'm going to be on tour. Right. Um. So, I just had to find my footing, bro. But 
I always was ambitious though. Like at Rowan, I'm figure like you could get money if you start a club on Rowan. Like they're going to give you money to fund your events. Like I'm always trying to find out like how I can fund this or how I can bring people together in a room and how we could all put our money together and book out this space. Right. So um, I was actually still ambitious all, all through and through. Like I went through my ups and downs, but yeah. Well, I'm curious about the downs, bro. I, we, like, I'm curious about the downs and how yeah. you battled it. Like in terms of whether you hit depression, whether you hit like, oh, yeah. you hit a point where I, you're saying, fuck music, I want to do this no more. Like you ever battle those moments? You ever get to that point where it's like, all right, I'm battling. All right, should I, should I continue to do this? Or I just need to take this path that my parents, my mom wants to take this computer science. Like that's what was those what was those moments like? They exist. Um, I would say when I was in college, I definitely hit a rock bottom, bro. Okay. Broke up with my girl, my homies. Like I lived in a crib. I felt like they were just like hating, bro. Just like talking behind my back. Yeah. Just problems, issues in the crib. I'm like, what are we talking about? The campus. I just felt like, cause I wasn't like into the major organizations on campus, you know, the Greek lives or nothing like that. Like I was building an organization. I went before SGA yeah. said, this is my organization as well. So I'm met with like just politics. I hate politics, bro. Okay. Like work politics anywhere. And I, it was just a lot of pressure. And I think when I lost my job in the midst of all the hate and stuff, it's like, dang, now my financial security left. Right. And I just remember being in my room, bro. Crying, bro, praying, praying, bro. I think this was one of my like come to God moments where I'm like, yo, God, if you want me to do this, like I'll give it all up. Like break right. up with the girl, I'll get out this crib, I'll start all over. And um it's I, I know you want to talk about the lows, but it's like every time I hit a low, it's always something that like I, I just think it's God talking to me, bro. Like I got a text message to my phone, mind you, like. I'm done up. I'm on a mattress on the floor in the attic of a crib. Right, right, right. For real, for real. Like, yeah. that's where I'm at. Yeah. And um, I get a text from um Hezekiah Walker, and he's like, bro, I want you to perform at this Youth on Fire conference. Fire. Flew me out to Buffalo, New York. Mind you, I'm I'm about to be done with music. Right. Oh, now I can't. Now I'm going out. That was the first time I got paid for for performing or doing anything like that. That's that face of the mustard seed you was talking about earlier. So we just going to walk over that fact that Hezekiah Walker just text you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm not the I'm not the only one that just like he nah, just I heard it. got I heard him it. on speed dial. Like <laughs> it's a family friend. Like my dad's a pastor. He's a pastor. I yeah. don't know. The pastor world just works. Everybody, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess it was actually advice from him as a kid that kind of helped steer me in a musical direction. He said, if it's for you, everything you hear is gonna be music. You're gonna hear a knock at the door. Mm. You're gonna be thinking about music. You're gonna I always remember that conversation, man. Cause like He's blessed. He lives a blessed life. So he's telling it to me in his crib. Right. Crib look nice. I'm like, damn, it's, it's the OG here. Facts, he's facts. Bestowing upon me. But yeah, uh, so every low I face, bro, there's always been something to, like a silver lining on the other end of it. Nah, definitely. When you're talking about the lows, I talk. You're talking about like you hit rock bottom. You was in. You was in the attic sleeping. And I'm thinking about back to, I had a moment of time like like you. It was a little later in my life where I, where I thought I was about to be out of here. It was around like what, 2022. I was about to be out of here. Everything just fell apart. Same thing. So going through that, just like my ego stroking, that type of stuff, I didn't want to really tell nobody, talk to nobody like that about it. So it just built up, built up, built up. I'm battling it by myself, whatever it may be. Like, did you have people around you, like a brotherhood around you that you could speak out to people or friends that you could talk to about? Or is it like everything you, you fought and you battled internally? And if you didn't, like, did you, do you think if you did it, it would, it would change how your outlook, outlook on things was? 
at the time, I didn't have anyone around me to talk about any of this stuff to. Like I said, the people who I lived with, I felt like were a part of the problem. Right. So, like, I couldn't even be at my home in peace. You know what I'm saying? And I think through that moment, I did meet one of my closest friends, Rico. And it was through times like that where we built bonds. And now we can lean on each other, you know, when, whenever situations like that happen. But not at the time, bro, it was just me and me. But I love those moments, bro, because it's like I have a big family. I got three sisters, a mom, right. a dad. Both my parents are together. I lived okay. Like, I don't really remember struggling much. Yeah. So, like, I feel like sometimes you need those moments where it's just you and God. And really, in a physical form, it's just you so that you can know, like, yo, I could, I could get through this. Like, right. it's me. You know, so I feel like sometimes God will pull them people away so you don't, develop a dependency on them people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and like, like speaking on that too, I just want to continue on this topic of just like sharing, sharing, I guess like your, what you're going through battling. Why do you think like, we're all black men here. Why do you think like black men, we don't do that a lot. Mm. As opposed to like, when you see like women, friend groups like that, they, uh, they'll, they'll share, they'll show anything that they going through on a regular basis. Right. But us, like if we balance, so we don't want the homies know we went broke or whatever. We went, like, are we good? We'll just tell them we all right, whatever. We'll battle through it. Like you said, I'll fight it on my own. I need to fight it on my own. When sometimes we don't even have to do that. Yeah. That's a question for everybody. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that a majority of men want to be able to have the ability to say that I figured shit out on my own. Um, and I think that a lot of times what happens with that is it's a good thing when, when the drive and you're successful, you're making the bread, but it, it can be also very detrimental when you by yourself and you don't know how to approach situations. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes it's not even like you need like a mentor or something like that. You just need people to talk to. Like, I know like I'm a talker. I have to talk shit out. My bad. I have to be like angry. Like I have to be angry at a situation. I have to feel how I feel before it's like. I'll just figure shit out. And I think that once men figure that shit out by themselves of like the type of person they need to be in order to talk to other people, then I think the the idea of talking to people works better. But I don't think a lot of guys are comfortable enough talking to people about the type of person they are like that because of whatever persona or whatever idea they have of themselves and what people think of them. Yeah, I think for me, I, I would say it's more like a pride and ego type of vibe. You know what I'm saying? Even like where you may have grown up, like if you had a father figure in life and they say, boy, don't cry, you know what I'm saying? If something is upsetting you or, uh, you know, keep your feelings to yourself, you know, in the sense when they have that type of conversation, it's, it's a little difficult. And that's where I get, I guess having a mother figure, you know, her expressing like, listen, this is what you have to do. Like we are your family. We got your back. Um, I think I just come from that type of family, but at the same time, like you were saying, like I, I really think it's just a difficult not allowing your emotions to get out there to see that, because um, a lot of people feel like if you show your emotions, that's a sign of weakness. When it's really a sign of uh, strength, you know what I'm saying? Of being able to talk to people, um, to express your feelings, letting them know what's what got you down, you know how how you can put yourself back up. I think. It, it's it's very difficult for a lot of people because some people don't even know how to show their emotions sometimes, you feel me? Um, so it also, going to the, like, what you were saying, like being able to have the people around you, like your family, your mom, um, your pops, being a pastor, and like that community itself, um, I feel like it's beneficial for everybody, for real, for real. I was going to say, 
I think that idea of showing your your emotions is weakness. I think that stems honestly, truly, just from the fact of how people operate with certain situations. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like if you get punched in your mouth, right, right and you cry, Chase might be, "Why you crying, nigga?" You'll be all right. Now you know what I'm saying. Some some people Chase might get punched in the mouth. He just might beat the nigga up. So like, and then I think because everybody operates in different ways with certain things, that's where it's like, if you show your emotions, you don't know how he operates. You don't know how he operates with people broke. You know. So I think it's just it's because people operate differently with certain situations. It's just like it is what it is. I would add like. It would also be like people don't want to. You don't want people knowing your business at, at the same time. That's too. true. I think, that, I think that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Like I think honestly, that's the ego thing is more of a trust thing. Right. Like you know who can I, you actually tell this stuff to? Because because even that's like we've all probably been in a situation where we tell somebody something out of confidence and uh, then you hear everybody knows about it and it's like damn why did I even why did I even be vulnerable to that person? It makes you not want to be vulnerable anymore. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's, I, go I, ahead. I was gonna say like you know we all have attachment styles right to people like. You know, there's like four of them or whatever. But I know that mine is um, avoidant. And the mindset of an avoidant attachment style is like, if I can do it on my own, that's strength. So, like, when I feel like I need strength, I automatically shut people out. Mm. Because, it to me, it makes me feel stronger about myself. Now, that, which isn't necessarily a good thing, is reinforced. Kind of what you were saying, like, in this entertainment industry, bro, People like to little bro you. And oh my goodness. Right. So it's like me, bro. I'm a fan of all things. I call myself a quarterback, bro. I see the whole field. Like I'll be watching y'all. I'll be seeing what everybody doing. Right, right, right. And I just show love, bro, because that's it's, it's nothing but love in me. But when you see like people try to little bro you or you might tell somebody about an issue and they're like, I don't know, they trying to position themselves as like over you. They're they're kind of praying at your weakness. Because when you're when you're moving in this space and you're doing 147 episodes and all these find yourself Sundays, like you never know how people look at you as competition that you see them as brothers. Right. So many times I went to who I thought was brothers with issues, and they like, oh, we found a crack in his armor. We found a chink finally in his armor. So like, Damn. when you asked that question, that was the first thing that came to mind. Like, I don't really trust people like that, bro. And, the, way, bro. and the people that's around me. Thank God I've been able to build a support group to say, like, yo, bro, I'm I'm going through it. And then they'll talk me out. But it took a lot of, like, trial and error and people showing their true colors to get to that point. And, and how, how has that affected you as, like, an indie artist navigating the industry? I don't. Yo. Oh, man. Let's I, get there. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to just be for real. Like, to my detriment, maybe, I don't network, bro, at all. Like, everybody that I, I know is just bro love, like. I know you and I rock with you. I rock with what you're doing, but I don't network. I don't talk to people with hopes of getting anything. I like to just put my head down and you're going to see the work. If people even ask me what I do, I don't even list off nothing. I make music. You're going to see the work. Like, right, right, right. You're going to see the work, and that's how it's affected me. Like, I don't want to network. I don't want nobody to feel like, I don't know. They just got the keys to my business. You know what I'm saying? It's it just don't work like that. Spe- speaking of that, like you talking about, like finding yourself and navigating yourself. You, you just mentioned finding yourself Sundays. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yo, find yourself Sundays took me from four thousand to sixteen k on Instagram, and I only said that to say it was the best business decision I ever made. Um, when I, I I always like had a camera, and I always been like making my own content, 
But I remember seeing this one interview. It might have been like Rap Genius. And I'm like, bro, they not about to call me. Sway's not about to call me. Like, But I need this type of video, though. Like, right, I, right. I need to be freestyling, for real, for real. So I'm like, man, whatever. I'm going to just get my own camera. I'm going to get a, a green sheet from the thrift store, figure out how to do the green screen effect. And every week, I was just hitting them with a new freestyle yeah. over a, a popular song. And I always wanted to make freestyles over artists that I like. Because I remember my friend saying, you got to rap like Future to get popping. I'm like, nah, like, I like Kendrick. I like Cole. I like, you know, West Side Boogie. Like, all of these people. So I start just making freestyles over all of their songs, bro. And it just they start taking off. And eventually, they're, they're like, yo, you got to post these. You got to put these on Spotify. But you can't because it's not my music. Right. So eventually, I'm like, all right, I'm going to rebrand it. I'm gonna, now I'm going to make all the beats for them, too. And, you know. That it just like I said, bro. It was the best business decision ever. It put a lot of eyes on what I'm doing. When uh, when you said you got, you got that big like spurt of like growth in your following and your engagement and all that stuff and like just the fan base that you started to create, um, do you ever find yourself like getting caught up in like just chasing that? <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah. Now, before I got to 10k, I remember telling everybody like I just want 10k. You know what I mean? Um, but once you see the love from the people, like you get certain messages, bro, certain messages I, I put on my walls, bro, that just they just say how the music moved them. That's what you start chasing after a while, because I know like, bro, you can have 16K followers and your real still get a thousand views. Right. So it's like this is a different game we in like th that number is arbitrary It's a vanity metric. I don't care about Spotify numbers, Instagram followers, nothing like I care about impact reports. You can't you can't really always quanti quantitate that, but it's right. like you can feel it. You know when it's coming in. That's what I care about the most. And how how do you figure out how to like translate that to make it like tangible? Tangible like, in what way? In terms of like you do vents and stuff like that. Like you may you like to see like what your real the like, grasp on like what your real audience is. Like you can see it on the internet, but you don't really know like how tangible people really are or how tangible you really are until you go sells try to sell something whether it's a t-shirt whether it's the, the the um the disc that you were selling the cd that you were selling or you throw you have your events like how what what made you be like all right i have this following now i gotta see if it's really real because mm -hmm. people can get their heads can become big if they just see all right people are engaging in our comments whatever it may be i got all these views but it really don't mean nothing at the end of the day until you can really like like you say sell something to 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 live off what you're trying to create or what you are creating yeah um Man, it's it's that's a hard question to answer because I I feel like every product that I have has a different story mm -hmm. of trying to create proof of concept. Right. I was doing events. That's the word, proof of concept. Yep. I was doing events before money was involved. Like I would I would throw like my parents would leave out of state. I would throw a party at my house. Right. Then I transferred to college. Then like I just remember when I graduated, I was just finally comfortable doing a $10 ticket, then a $15, then a $20 ticket. You know what I'm saying? And now my highest ticket is a hundred dollars, you know, and I just found out how to give value. So with that, I don't think the goal was to prove the concept. I think the goal was just to do what I loved, bro. I wanted, I wanted, like, I really felt alone in this, bro. Like I, ain't, I had people around me, but I was still alone in a room full of people. I, I didn't feel like I had people, that shared the mindset that I had. And so the proof of concept was like, I know people feel like how I feel. Let me put it out there like the bat signal. And then whoever feel like that, they're going to gravitate toward what I put out there. And it's, it's scary every time, bro. 
I never know how many people are going to come. Even to this day, like, I'll be like, bro, if I don't hit this ticket number, I don't know. Before before this event, I don't know if I'm throwing it. But, you know, it's not for me. Like, it's for the people at this point. At, at your events, like, tell, tell us what, like, your events are. Like, say I, say I want to go to, like, one of your events. Like, what's the what's the environment like? Fire. Um, I mean, one is just dope people, right? And it's an event for everyone. Like, you can, if you're an artist, you definitely want to be there. It's an open mic event. There's going to be people in the room. He might be there. And then next thing you know, you got an interview. The the event owner might be there. Next thing you know, you're throwing your own event. Like, and I don't do that on purpose. I just, I'm blessed to know people who are also working and moving toward a goal. But um, also, like, it's a place for all walks of life, all beliefs, we open up the microphone so that you can hop on and just give your opinion on whatever topic that we're talking about. So no matter if you're Buddhist, Islam, atheist, Christian, whatever, if we're talking about spirituality, best believe you can hop on the mic, say what you're going to say, and nobody's going to hate on you. Nobody's going to boo you or nothing like that. And we just try to make it open, bro. Like I create events like how I would imagine like the presence of God would be like everybody could come like, and that's just, that's just how I carry it. No, that's fire. That's fire. Um, what, like, what inspired you? We didn't even talk about that. Like, what, what, in, we talked about the church a little bit, like, musically, like, what, like, inspired you mm. to, and kind of, like, kind of molded you to the artist that you are right now? Yo, like I said, bro, I'm a quarterback. I, I like all types of music, but growing up, um, Mally Music was probably one of the first artists who Oof. inspired me. Oh my gosh, right? Just, oh, I respect that. I respect that. Um, Mind you, I'm 26, so, like, 50 Cent was doing his thing, nice. you know? So, like, him on the bus, 21 questions. Like, I'm like, oh, all right. Back he getting to, it, he get to it. Lil Wayne, he, he was like a, I don't know, it's just like the swag. But when I was coming up, like, when I actually was starting to make music, who influenced the sound that I have now? Bro, it's like local artists. Like, my boy Yo Astrum, who was my old head at the time, he would just have me in his studio, bro. That's how I learned how to make music. Mm. He wouldn't let me record nothing i'd never recorded a track in the studio but he would let me help yeah like i would be pressing play pressing pause pressing record watching him engineer produce so like his sound kind of incorporated into mine and then my other old head stevie rogers um he was a guy who like i was a producer at first and i would just send my beats out he came to my house and was like nah bro we about to make your first song what's the first thought that come to your head I'm like sour cream and onion chips he like <laughs> uh, that's the name of the song. So I was he just went to it and he yeah. would have me performing and stuff. So like I attribute a lot of what I do now to those two guys. Yeah. Cause like they really put me under the wing and like walk me through this music industry. You feel me? How, how important is like, cause when I look at that as like almost like an apprenticeship. Yeah. How important is that? Like people, whether we you take it out of music, like how important is like, like walking before you run or like running before you jump, jump before you fly that type of thing. How important is it to like learn the steps before you like, all in or just ex experience like the trials and errors before like reaching that success mm -hmm. like as an artist would you rather this is a question would you rather get the success right away or go through the trials and tribulations then achieve the success so you know what to do with it i want the success right now i don't know it they just could get the, get the holy answer all they want yeah. i want the success right now now nah, but um, <laughs> the I, I think that it's important to respect your elders i think i always had that and so People who were just older than me, whether they were better than me or not, I always sat and listened. And to take that into music, I think you should always respect older or younger the people who've done it before you. And like, I think when you have too much pride to sit down 
and sit underneath somebody like and not try to do your own thing. Like if I was in that studio every time I'm like, bro, I'm tired of hearing you record. I want to do my, <clears throat> I wouldn't have been in there for too long. Right. But I'm like, nah, he been doing it. I want to do it. I look up to him. I'm not trying to be better than him. Right. I'm trying to be, if he's at the level eight of his potential, I want to reach my level eight. And so I'm going to respect what he's doing. I think if more people did that, they would get further. But everyone wants to do it without any help or they see you as competition and, and not as someone who can help them. And that, and that's going to be a problem for a lot of people, bro. No, for sure. For sure. Um, I want to ask you about your latest project. And then we'll, we'll ask a few questions outside of just like the deep stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. But tell me tell me about music therapy, man. Um, I, I know about it. We listened to the project. Like, what was the inspiration behind that? Mm. Bro. I was in a place where my music career was going up, like stuff I would have never thought was happening, was happening to me in my life, getting people paying for my CD, paying for, like, but my mental health was going, getting worse and worse. And I realized I had imposter syndrome. Like the, the closer I got to it, the less I felt like I was walking on eggshells. Like, yo, this is all going to fall down. When, and um, I just had a lot of unhealed trauma, bro. And it was like literally my last, I would have never went to therapy, bro. It was my last step. I didn't have no one I could talk to about what was going on in my life. And so I applied for therapy and I, without even realizing it, like the sessions would inspire me. So like after the sessions, I would just write music mm -hmm. because the creative block would be gone. I finally got what I needed to get out, out. And I remember my last session, my last therapy session, bro. Um, bro, she said, something along the lines of like, well, you know, you deserve it. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And without even thinking, I said, I, I think. And then the session ended. She didn't even know what happened, bro. And I just start crying. Cause I'm like, dang, you don't even believe you deserve what you, what you, what you, what you're working toward. You're spending your life toward. Why not? And then I had to unpack that. And I made the last song on the album. And that's when I knew like, Oh, this is, this is an album. It wrapped up today. And from there, it was just about packaging it up and, and helping people get those same breakthroughs that I got, you know? Why, why, why do you think, like, the closer you got to, like, your dream, the success, or what you deem success, your, your mental health went down? Like, I know you said imposter syndrome, but, like, what's that a testament to? Because, like you said, you said you battled stuff before when you were younger, but, like, you battled through that. You made it through that. And now you're here at the moment where it's like, all right, I'm here. I battled through all this shit that I went through, all this bullshit that I had to deal with, climb the ladder, felt depression, whatever it may be. Now I'm here and I'm about to I'm about to reach what I've been chasing after, but I'm still not mentally where I want to be. Like what what is where does that come from? I think that I specifically was programmed with like certain milestones that you're supposed to hit, right? Like if if, if you don't have six figures nowadays, like what? Are, so I was getting success compared to what I was, but. If I told my mom about it, I don't know if she would have felt like it was successful. She probably would say, well, how much did you make off of that? You know what I'm saying? So I just felt like I just felt like I was walking on eggshells, bro. Like I felt like this was fabricated, like it's not going to last. There's nothing foundational. I'm going to drop right back down to where I was. I just every day I was just so anxious, bro. Like if I didn't keep going, I was just going to lose it all. You, you know? feel like you was working yourself to death? I don't even know what I felt, bro. I just felt scared. <laughs> I only ask you because so I be I be battling that too. That's why that's why I asked, like yeah, in terms of like all, how to deal with do. this. Yeah, like I battle that on the regular, bro. Like whether it even be whether it's this the podcast, whether it would just be everyday life. And I just be, and I'm glad you said it because I be feeling anxious. I be like, where is this coming from? 
Like we work so hard to to do X, Y, and Z. We we put on a show, we we execute things, but at the end of the day, it's just like, bro, why do I still feel this way? And it's like I can't pinpoint it. So it's like I don't know if y'all can pinpoint it, but I I be thinking the same thing, man. I don't know what it is. I mean, cause I I mean from what I talk to with my old therapist, it's always like anxiety is always going to be like an irrational fear of something, and from how I personally understand it, it's going to be an exacerbated fear with no security. So it's like, ideally, there are some people who do have anxieties about things while they have that security. That's where the exacerbated thought of whatever you're going through is. A lot of times with us, it's like we're doing things that we have no fallback on. Mm -hmm. As creatives, as entrepreneurs, there's no fallback. It's like, if your show goes to shit, God forbid, that's it. Like, that's your name. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of times it's like your fear is like, yo, this mic has to be right or else this is going to be bad. Everybody's going to look at this. I'm going to be a failure. Niggas going to laugh at me. And then my girl going to leave me. And then my family's going to leave me. And it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And like, you see how like that domino effect, it's, yeah. a, it's intrusive thoughts just came just from the fact that like, you know what I mean? to the worst thing possible. Yeah. When does like, it have to go there? Yeah. And, and that's what normally happens with people. Um, another example. I don't know if you guys watch This Is Us at any point in time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Randall and Beth used to always do this thing, right? And they used to call it worst case scenario. And they would be like, all right, in three seconds, in three seconds, we would just name the worst case scenario of what would happen in the situation. Because Randall deals with extreme high-functioning anxiety. He would be like, yeah, the worst case scenario is X, Y, and Z. Beth will say X, Y, and Z. They okay, they do it. So like, ideally, like what happens with anxiety a lot of times, it's, it's always that irrational fear, you know? Um, and I think that it's always that irrational worst case scenario without security for a lot of us. With some of the stuff this with some of the stuff that we're doing like as creatives, when we when we when we like I said, we, we complete something that, that, that we've been working so hard to get, do you ever like not feel fulfilled? You said do we not feel fulfilled? Yeah. Sometimes. Um I think it really depends. Cause it's like with me, like you know like I mean you see how I work and it's like when I work I'm just tunnel vision. I be sweating all that shit. Like it's nuts. But it's like, what happens is that we work that hard, we work that hard, and we're trying to find the next thing because we have this arbitrary mind of success of what we envision us doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when you have that arbitrary like mark for you of like, okay, I'm successful now. It's like, okay, what's the next point? Like at that point, you can kind of deem yourself, all right, I'm kind of lit. But then it's like, what's next? You know what I mean? So I think that's where it comes from. It's like you have this arbitrary point of what you're trying to reach from now. And once you even get to that point, it's like, yeah, I've made it for that level of what mm. I'm thinking at. And then it's like, okay, what's next? It's like the idea of I made my first million. I'm a millionaire. Great. Now let's make 10. Cool, I made 10. Let's make 100. I think for me, like, when I feel unfulfilled, you know, I, 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 I start to see this like a creative is like God's instrument, bro. And if you don't use, if you don't use that instrument, you're not going to fulfill your purpose. Facts. And so, like, for example... I'm the type of guy, like, I'll have 100 songs in the tuck. Right. And after a year, 30 of them are never coming out. And so when you have so much music that you created, but you didn't put into the world, it literally hasn't fulfilled its purpose yet. So it's like, I showed the homies, they liked it. So right. in the moment, I'm like, yo, this is tough. But until you complete the execution and realize that it's not like an end goal, you're an instrument. So it's like, you just got to keep tuning yourself up and keep being used and keep being used. I think that's when the unfulfillment comes where it's like I throw an event and now I want to feel like I made it and I could go sit in my high rise and I, yeah. I did it. But it's like, that's not this game. This game is you got to keep doing it. And that you're like an engine. 
And so that's when I feel unfulfilled. You know, when I do it once, keep the songs in the tuck, it doesn't get to fulfill its purpose. Would uh would you recommend therapy? Because I've never taken therapy. Moose is taking therapy. Have you ever taken therapy? Yeah, I did. taking therapy. I I'm never taken therapy. I guess I'm the only one. You never took a therapy either. So, so uh, no, I'm just saying. I'm not just. <laughs> he's not laughing. But nah, I'm just saying in general. Like I thought about it, but I just I think I've been got over that hump of that trust that trust thing. Mm-hmm. Like even with therapists, it's just like bro, someone's gonna figure out the stories I'm telling to them. <laughs> someone's go. You feel me? I'm That's dead. I'm, I'm dead ass though. Like you, it's like, you, you think you're gonna find in like a book or something one yeah, time? <laughs> that means I did something right. If I'm famous enough to where you wrote, yeah. you, you try to make money off my story. Yeah, good. and it's not even that it's anything crazy. It's just that trust trust factor that we talked about earlier in the show, bro. Yeah. It's like I don't, did y'all ever, y'all, before you did therapy, you ever have like those type of feelings before you stepped in the room? Uh, of course. Yeah, I actually went through like three different therapists because the first one wasn't right. Second one, I was just like, kind of got me in a place where I can like speak a little bit more, but still wasn't right. And then I finally got to the third one. I'm like, all right, bet I can like consistently feel good about myself. When I come out, I'm happy. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I accomplished something. Um, so yeah, it just takes time. I think. Do 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 you think like it, one it matters like the therapist that you have too? Because like also like another thing that I kind of like think about is like. What if I'm taking this person's advice and it fucks up everything I got going on? Mm-hmm. So that's actually you go. I was gonna say that's the, so the reason why I stopped therapy, right? I, I think that in everyone's life, at one point or another, you should have a spiritual leader at one point, you should have a therapist at one point, and you should have a life coach at one point. And why I stopped therapy was kind of what you just said. At one point, I needed a life coach, like. We did the past work. We did the shadow work. I understand why I feel like this, but I still need some execution. I need somebody to help me. So she was great for what she was because I got over the trust when I realized I was paying her to not talk about the real stuff. And I'm not about to be wasting my money. So <laughs> And she going to jail. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, well, he said she go to jail. Yeah, it's a HIPAA violation. You saw... you. You saw what happened to that one girl that was talking about the black man on, on when she was like, oh, black yeah, 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 bro, she crashed out. She lost her job. She lost her license. She crashed out. Damn. Like not, not to knock anybody, but she, she does OnlyFans. Ooh, salute to her. You know what I mean? Like she crashed out. Like she's on TikTok. She's on TikTok, like crying every other day about shit. And it's like, I feel for her. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, to I, I say that all to say it's like, they not going to risk their job like that. It's not going that it's not going to be that bad, especially because you have to pay for it, and they literally it's like illegal for them to talk about your issues. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. So, but y'all, y'all, th- y'all, all three of you believe that that therapy helped you at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, bro. Because because at the end of the day, I had to get comfortable with. She could say what I tell her, and it's like, I think that was a part of the problem. Like, I don't want to live life scared of people find out certain things about me that would make them look at me unfavorable. I'm a human being, bro. We all humans. Like, and that's what it helped me realize is like she could tell my story one day and it will be popping. Okay. Life goes on. You know I, what I mean? I think it's that. And I think that a lot of times when people go to therapists, they don't know what kind of therapist they need. That's that's another thing. You know what I mean? It's like there's cognitive behavioral therapy, there's somatic therapy, you know, like there's all different types of therapy that affect how you are. You kind of have to understand who you are and what you need. And a lot of times people try to like put all the packaging into one it's like some people really just genuinely need a therapist to help them with that and sometimes you need a life coach a lot of people try to be both it's like it's the same thing with being a pastor some pastors really just need to be pastors and not be life coaches 
You know what I mean? Because what happens is that now you try to, you know what I mean? Like you mix the two and then it's like you kind of given a pseudo message that doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. Same thing with therapy. It's like you're trying to be life coachy, but this person just wants to get their feelings out. Like mm. right now, I'm not trying to sit here and tell me that I'm okay. I need to get up and pick myself up by the bootstraps. I want to talk about the trauma that happened when I was six. You just need somebody to listen. At the yeah, end of the you know? Like, and, and I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest thing. Like, you got to be wary of that. Like, I still haven't found a new therapist. My first therapist was a black woman. And then since then, I haven't found anybody. Do you, th- do you think it matters, like, if you have a man or a woman when it comes to that? Yes. I, th- yes. Mm-hmm. I think it depends. Why do you say yes like that? What do you, what, what's your thought process? It mattered for me. The, okay. My first therapist, she was a black woman. She had locks. I picked her because of her image. And it, it worked, you know? She, But then I was like, maybe I need to hear from a man. Like, maybe I need, need a man's advice. And for me, I just wasn't. I ain't like the energy, like, and I think that's why I thought I needed a life coach. Like, when I go to a man, I'm actually looking for advice. Mm. My therapist, I was looking for something a little bit more, like, feminine, more intuitive. Like, let's just talk about it. Let me get my feelings out. For the man, I'm like, bro, like, tell me something, bro. Like, what are we talking about? So, yeah. I didn't. Why, why, why do you think you had a different approach, though, to both? Because I just, that's life. When I go to my dad for advice, I want one thing. Right. When I go to my mom for advice, I want something different. That's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. Never thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I don't. I think it. I think it depends on what you're trying. I think it depends on what you're trying to look for. Like I know some people want to listen to somebody that has a completely different point of view from them. Like I know Charlemagne was saying that. Like he used to talk to like a white woman. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like a bad thing, not but it's real. like it's from a completely different perspective. Different perspective. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that kind of makes sense though. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And I was like, I, I respect it. Like, you know, I had a white therapist at a certain point. She didn't really do much, but it was just like, it was funny. Cool. I'm only laughing because that's funny for your image. That you <laughs> it is. That's it the is. only reason. Like, and the only no, reason, no, and the only reason why I did, and the only reason why I did it was because one, it was free because my original therapist who was a black woman who got me this hookup. I literally didn't pay for therapy for two years. Ooh, so, okay. yeah, like free therapy. Three, yeah. Two, three years. For, so I was like, all right, sure. You think therapy should be part of like your medical insurance? It yeah. is. It is, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So not not all insurances. I'm just saying, like, yeah, certain therapists, certain therapists don't take certain insurances, and certain places don't do that. But a majority, a lot of insurances do cover therapy services. Okay. Yeah, a lot of them. So I was like, so I mean, it, it just really, it just really depends on who they are and what they're trying to do. Like it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. I remember I I had tried to shop around for a therapist. And this woman was screaming in my face. I was like, "Yeah, this is the last time we'll have a conversation." Wow! <laughs> she started screaming at you. Oh, yeah, because she was like a life. She was like a life coach slash therapist. X Y Z. She was screaming in my face. I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "I'm from the Caribbean." X Y Z. Yeah. And, and the, the reason the reason I'm I okay. thought I, I've been thinking about like therapy in general is just one, just a lot of you know life shit. Everybody goes through everything, yeah. but also like I feel like I'm getting too like desensitized to certain stuff, certain mm. things. And I'm trying to figure out why. But that's not 100% your fault. We all getting desensitized. Nah, but I'm saying, like, yeah, yeah, and certain things we've seen stuff on. I'm talking about stuff that's, like, close to home, like, people dying and things like that, and you won't have certain emotions. Like, why don't I, like, I'm, I, you know mentally you're supposed to be feeling a certain way. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have these emotions, but they just don't come out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why is that happening? You're not wrong. I mean, when I lost my homie last year, I ain't crying until I had seen that man getting buried. And that was, like, and I'm talking about that was, like, Literally, when he was in the ground, it was shoveling. Like, that's when I, whole time you saw me, I was a stone-faced killer. Right. I was in a room full of six people. We all knew this guy. I'm the only one there just sitting there like this. Everybody bawling their eyes out. I'm just there. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not like a you thing. Sometimes it's really just like, you kind of have to find a pinpoint as to why, like, 
why you feel that way. Because it's like sometimes I'll find myself like getting emotional. I won't cry, but I'll find myself like someone will hit me and I try to pinpoint like why do I feel like this in this particular situation? You know what I mean? It's like sometimes you also got to do like the mindfulness, the meditation to like figure out like where is this coming from? Because there's certain things like you may be stone faced to death, but let somebody let somebody like talk about your shoes. You might just be upset. You know what I mean? It's like right, right, right. so. It's like sometimes it's more about the fact of like what is the trigger for you to make you feel the way that you need. Or it could just hit you like, like you said, down the line, like later, randomly, just right. punch you, punch you in the chest, and it's like that's happened to me a few times. You feel me? Another funny, another funny side thing. Like I, I tell people or ladies that like I talk to, like if something happened, I probably won't feel the way right now, but two, three, four weeks later. I might feel it. And I really just might be upset, <laughs> not because not because of the fact that I'm mad or I'm not having the emotion. Right. My emotions just haven't processed, or like my mind hasn't processed the fact that like this was really some bullshit that just happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not intentional. I tell them it's not intentional at all. It's just more so like I'm just letting you know if one day I wake up mad and we have this conversation again, it's because it just hit me that like I'm upset. No, I feel that. I feel that. You no, know? that was a solid conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep thinking about it. I'm gonna keep thinking about it, chopping up with y'all about it, but. I got some questions about the music industry for you. Let's get what, it. Go ahead, Mr. <laughs> Real Rap. What are you talking about? You heard him, right? <laughs> He's, he talked about what you said early in the pod, saying we're going to listen to some real rap today. What, 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 what was, was wrong? I was impressed. I was impressed with the song choices. I Thank you. I, pre- I, yeah, pre- yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Somebody, somebody <laughs> acknowledges my taste. What, you, what, what was wrong with that? Was it real rap music? Why, why, I felt like that was a slight. Because what was the second one? Was it Cole? Was I, 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 I played Ben Staples, Cole, and I played Who Am I? Okay. I think when I think oh it was he, don't like he, don't like he don't like Cole he don't like Cole that's why, why. He don't like Cole. <laughs> I don't know I don't not like Cole I don't like how Cole is gassed there's a difference you think he's gassed no I don't I don't think Cole think? is gassed nah I think <laughs> think about people, it no I think people talk about J Cole like if you were to put him on a track with like somebody like Lupe or Rakim or like a Most Defy out rapping it we all know he that's might. not happening. He, Mike, I used I used to not like Cole when I was a kid. When he came out Friday Night Lights, I wasn't a fan, bro. I thought really? it was too happy. The beats nah. were just too happy to me. Till I saw him live, bro, and I and I understood. Like I think it was Forest Hills Drive. That's the concert at Camden. You seen that joint? Yeah, yep, I was there too. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, like <laughs> this is a story. Like this is a real man. Like he's he's talking about I his think. life. But to say that though, real quick, his last album, bro, just listen to it in the gym, like. Listen to the words. He could rap with the best of them. Oh, you know, he could rap. He got bars. But I think, so. He's a Wale He could rap with Lupe, bro. He could rap with Lupe. That's what I'm telling you. He could rap with Lupe, bro. No, he cannot. No, he cannot. Why why do you you think that? Did you listen to Lupe's last album? I haven't. Listen to Lupe. Listen to listen to Lupe's listen to Lupe's last album. It came out last year. And then come tell me if you think J. Cole could rap. All right, we'll have that conversation. Let me ask you this. Wale or or J. Cole? Mmm. Mmm. Off of pure consistency, Cole. I haven't heard much from Wale lately. I love Wale though. I think he's one of the most innovative people in the industry. Like the poetry mixed with music, like, and he could go between like R and B and rap. He could do it. He could do it all. But I think that the best, one of the best abilities is availability. And like when Cole was doing Revenge of the Dreamers and the tapes and everything, it's like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep going. You're not wrong. I just don't think it's hundred percent fair to Wale. How? Because he got dropped. We didn't push him. On top of that, you got to deal with the fact of all the bullshit that he was dealing with, label wise, X, Y, and Z. Like Wale just never got the true respect he got 
even as an artist who went back to back with number one albums. I would have liked for him to do a little bit more rapping, though, personally. No, no, that's Like, fair. his newer stuff, I feel like it was, like, catered more so to the woman. So, like, every time I tried to tap back in, because I don't care about who's being pushed or who's what. Like, Yeah, no, I get what I'm, you mean. I'm looking and listening, and I just didn't feel like some of the newer stuff was for me. Because, I mean, you, you're not wrong, because I can, I can see why... I see why people I see why people I see why people think that way. I just think that for him specifically because of the type of artist that he is, like because he's so good at both, mm-hmm. like you would rather want to cater to something that people are going to consume like uh, women consume music all the time. You know what I mean? And so I think that for him it's like it's not that he can't rap. I I think him and J Cole are on the same level, but it's just but, like but you don't give a nod to someone who cuz Cole got women-centered records. Some of his most popular, arguably, but you don't give a nod to somebody who's like, nah, like, I'm gonna just rap. No, and I'm gonna take it to the top and be considered one of the three greatest of this generation. I think, I think you, I think you can. I just think that in this, okay, I'll put it like this the things that we praise Kendrick, J. Cole, and Drake for, Wale does all of them by himself. Drake, to an extent, hits. He's also good at finding smaller tier artists who are good, and he raps with them, gives them their shine. Wale, on almost every single one of his albums, has introduced a new artist before they blew up. He introduced Meg Thee Stallion. He introduced Cole. He introduced, um, I think it was Ozuna, I think it was, on um, one of them joints. So it's like he does a lot of those things when it comes to storytelling. He storytells just as good as Wale. He has bars. There's never been a time on all the tracks Wale and J. Cole have been on together, where Wale outrapped J. Cole, where J. Cole didn't rap him on next track. Like, it's the competitiveness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, how I praise Wale, it's not because I'm like, oh, he's a Nigerian man. No, it's like, really sit down and look. He really has the talent. He the only nigga, I think, that had, like, a Nicki, Rihanna, and who else? It was Nicki, Rihanna, and someone else. And this is a feature. As an artist that keeps getting dropped. I like Wale, You know man. what I mean? I like the DMV scene in general, it inspired me, like, musically. DMV, everybody that came out of the DMV area. Right. Chicago, too, like, Midwest. True. It, it, it just it what, very inspirational. What's your thoughts on, like, this? just the state of, like, the, like I guess, rap right now? Like, the newer the newer music that's coming out. Um, do you like it? I'm going to be for real, bro. Like, rap is in one of the best places it's ever been. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm answering this from an independent artist. For sure, for sure. So, like, right now, more than ever, if you make music and it's good, you could make a career out of your music. Simple as that. So, like, I study a lot of, like, the internet people that are just coming up, like, in my lane of, like, conscious rap. And I'm like, whoa, like, LaRussell just ran up a million. Like, okay. Right, right, right. Stuff. So I, I think rap is in a great place. I don't really know what's what's happening too much on the mainstream side of things. I catch it when I, when I can. Right. But I just know for internet rappers, quote, unquote, content creators, purpose-driven content creators, it's, it's time to get active. So, so what do you think about Mick Jenkinson? That's my favorite rapper, if not in my top three favorite rappers. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, Mick Jenkins get busy. You, you talked. You talked about La Russell. Like, do you think? Because we we watched literally La Russell like grow his. If you're a fan of him, you watched him grow from where he was to what he is now. You know what I'm saying he's dropping what his 31st album. He said he's dropping, which, which is which is nuts. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, do you think we're gonna start to see more artists like that? I guess flourish as opposed to the mainstreams that we see like are here for here for a year, gone tomorrow type vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the playing field is going to start evening out, right? Um, 
because we have access to go directly to our fans now and uh, our supporters are starting to become more comfortable supporting us directly, like right. not through streams, like coming out to a concert or, or paying for, or like the Russell brother, just paying for his album, right. period. So right. it's like, I think more and more software is going to come out to like give us more access to the people and the supporters like mentality is going to be more geared toward e-commerce. Right. And so at the same time, the labels are going to continue to like do what's popular, but that probably doesn't always resonate. Like I might tell you a story about my rock bottom in college. And if you just graduated from college, that might do more for you than a Drake record about all the girls he could sleep with. Right. Salute to Drake though. I rock with Drake too, but you know, I think it's in a great space. Definitely, what, definitely. Do you, what do you, what is your opinion? A lot of people actually don't know this. So, like, Meg, Meg Thee Stallion, I think, like, a week or two ago, she signed a deal where she's technically still an independent artist. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's basically, she basically gets all the label marketing yeah. factors. Like, she's basically treated like a label artist, but she's an independent artist. Yeah. Right, well, like a distro it's deal? a distro deal, yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's like a distro deal, but it's not. Is like they're pretty much, but it is though, kind of in a sense, because they're pretty much they're handling your distri- distribution, your marketing, and all that stuff. They're giving you a bag because you already have all the intangibles, so they're just giving you that money to push it and market it the way you needed to market it, as opposed to just they're doing everything for you. Yeah, I think, but I think with her deal, I think she's also getting the, I think she's also getting some of the bread to, I think she's also getting some of the bread to also record because she used to talk about how important it was, like how hard it is to record. So it's like she still gets treated like it's like I get to create it. I get the creative freedom of an independent, but have all the label stuff to my access. I don't know what your opinion is on that because it was nuts when I heard that. But I just want to know your thoughts on that and how you think like independent artists can probably try to leverage that. Like say like for someone like you, how do you think that you would approach that? Distro deals are incredible. I, I, I had a distro deal on the table at one point and it didn't fall through because it wasn't right. I didn't feel like a priority. And I just didn't think people understood what I was trying to give to the world. But, yo, there's no such thing as a bad deal unless you unless you don't read your contract and sign it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if somebody will give me money to distribute my catalog, I make majority of my money off of merch. So that's a good deal to me. True. If you're not touching my merch and you're not touching my event and you, you're going to make money from the music, read your contract, bro. Can you do it on your own? If so, then you should probably scale it upward. But if not... Get him, you know, partner with these people. Right. I would just say make sure that they understand the mission and the vision. You know what I'm saying? And and read your contract or find a lawyer to read right. it. Definitely, definitely. Well, I enjoyed this convo. I enjoyed it. Tell us, tell us where we can find your music. Tell yeah. us where we can find you, your, your events, all that stuff. Who am I? TV TV. That's that's the website, the Instagram, TikTok, everything. W H O A M I T V dot TV. Uh, you'll find the next event. Find yourself Sunday music, anything you want to tap into. It's a solid joint. I, I appreciate you stopping by, Word. jumping on the pod. You know we're gonna be tuned. We're gonna be tapped in. We all gotta pull up to an event. You know what I'm saying? So when the next one pops up, let us know. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's all I got for this episode of the Face the Future podcast. It's your boy Mills. It's your boy Nancy Moose. Peace. Peace. Oh my God, is that the faces of the future?